0: Welcome to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast, where we talk all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness for women, to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life, inside and out. And now, your hosts, Laura Jackson and Amanda Quinn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Fit Chicks Chat. My name is Laura Jackson, and today we have the amazing Corey Ravi back to join us. <laughs> hey everyone. And I love how you are literally like typical, like, well, it's it's Canadian winter for those of you who don't know where we are or are listening to this. And if you can see her on video, she is in this gorgeous rustic like chalet in the Laurentians, which is the mountains. <laughs> With the yes, guitar
1: and everything. I'm actually on a permaculture farm. There's chickens out here and everything. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah. And And it's snowing and it may get snowed in.
0: You could be in worse places for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we are going to dive right in because I know the last time we had you on the podcast, we were chatting all about gut health and fermentation and so many amazing topics. And we got so many Mm -hmm. questions after that. So I would love to dive in more about the gut health portion because you gave so many amazing strategies and different, um, different tips, like the fermented, like your kimchi recipe. Oh my gosh. I made it to die for. It was so good. good, eh? I loved it. Um, but yeah, so I would love to just really kind of get going, letting the conversation kind of flow wherever it wants to, but talking to you more, because I know your passion is really around gut health.
1: Yeah, you- that's my, sort of my area of expertise besides fermentation is, is gut health, yeah. So
0: if somebody is looking to improve their gut health, and obviously this topic is so vast, but you and I were kind of chatting earlier before we started this about kind of giving your top five tips that you could use to start to improve your gut health without having to, you know, spend a ton of money on probiotics or you know things that you actually have control over in your life that you could start to do starting like right now
1: yeah like there's so many things that you can do that don't cost anything um you know and and for this i'll give you five tips but i actually have like tons and if you go to my website and take the little gut health quiz you get a download of my top 15 tips so really like we're just gonna start with five but there's many many more so um, surprisingly like a lot of them are really basic and it's stuff you already know but you forget to do like so my one of my top tips is to actually chew your food (laughs) which I know is shocking like so simple because your grandmother always told you to chew your food but there's been research on this and the average Canadian will only chew their food about 15 times before swallowing Right when ideally, yeah, fifteen times. And actually, there was a, a study done on Subway eaters, people eating like Subway the sandwich, yeah. and they on average feed their sub six times before swallowing. I but I that was like you. they're just messing
0: it down. Well, yeah. And on that note, though, too, probably with all of the processed and the food that is pretty much almost pre digested, do we really even need to like, like it goes, it turns soft so quickly that most people don't even realize that they have to break it down more.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, people maybe have gotten in the habit of not chewing their food enough because of that. And then when we Mm. do chew other foods, we're not breaking it down enough. So chewing sets the stage for the entire digestive process. So again, on average, we chew maybe 15 times. We should be chewing our food 30 to 40 times before swallowing. And there's been significant research on it. Yeah. And the, the longer you chew, the more nutrients your body actually absorbs. And more than that, it sets the stage for the entire digestive process. Because as soon as you start chewing, certain triggers are released, uh, certain hormones, leptin and ghrelin, which help control appetite. And they also signal the rest of the digestive tract to get ready for food. So if you're not chewing enough, not only are you not breaking it down, but you're not uh, sending those signals to get the digestive tract ready. So um, another bit of research is people, there was a study done on people who have acid reflux and uh, they got, got them to chew their food more and about 90% of cases improved, 90%. Wow. So one of the first things that people come to me with acid reflux, I'm like, are you chewing your food? And, you know, people don't chew enough because people are stressed. Everyone's in a hurry. It's just another sort of casualty of like our busy lifestyle is not chewing enough. So um, again, it's a super basic tip, but uh, I've had clients, you know, I'm like, chew your food. And they're like, that was an amazing tip. Like, like, it's so simple. I can't believe I'm paying you to tell me to (laughs) chew your food, but you're right.
0: <laughs> well, the thing is, too is, as soon as you bring it into your consciousness, even you're just saying that, I'm thinking. I literally just got home from the gym. I wolfed down my food, and I'm thinking I probably didn't chew more than fifteen times. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's hard to get in the habit of it, too. Like, even for me, being conscious of it, like, I had to put a sign on my table, my kitchen table, saying, chew your food. And I just left it there for weeks until I got in the habit. But once you do get in the habit, it becomes second nature, right? It takes, like, a few weeks to establish that habit. And then when you're not chewing your food that much, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm like, swallowing my food whole, practically, right? You really want to get it down to a mush, like a mush, and then swallow it. Yeah. That's okay. Oh, sorry, well, there's you've dogs inspired. here. You might use-
0: oh, don't worry. You've oh, there's dogs me. here.
1: You might hear some <laughs> 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 Yeah. Um,
0: now you've inspired me. I'm definitely going to now be a little bit more conscious of how much I'm chewing. Yeah. So um, that's, that's my first tip. So then in terms of tip number two, where mm-hmm. would you go from there?
1: it's another really, really straightforward one that not a lot of people do is just to drink enough water. Um, because when we're not hydrated, right. Our cells are not plump. Like uh, it just slows down everything in the digestive process. Right. And, uh, uh, especially if someone has constipation or occasional constipation, oftentimes they're just not drinking enough water. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's there's lots of advice of how much water you should be drinking you know eight cups a day is like the general guideline but it really depends on your body weight activity level whether you tend to be on the drier side or not so I really um encourage people just to drink like plenty of water and see how they feel and then once you get into that habit again your body gets used to it and when you go without water you're like I'm I'm so dehydrated and you know um but again like just Drinking water, it will help control stomach acidity levels. It helps control like stool consistencies. You're able to poop better. And uh, again, it's just such a basic thing. And generally, the general guideline that, well, we learned in nutrition school was to drink, um, take your body weight and divide it by 16. And that's the number of cups you should be drinking. And when I give people that number, a lot of people are surprised that they should be drinking well over eight cups a day, like sometimes 10, 11, or 12. And so what would again, that be it, in ounces? So if eight ounces is a cup. Mm-hmm.
0: So 10 would be well, like 80 ounces.
1: How much that uh, is that? I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm horrible at math. <laughs> I too, like, but so it's I, many. I'm, 100, I'm 130 pounds and I need to be drinking about nine cups today. Yeah. Cause
0: it's interesting. Cause I know even for us, like with our students in Vitrix Academy, we have students who are in Canada and who are in the States and they'll be asking me, what is it for ounces to liters to, and I'm like, okay, hold on. I need to go onto my, my conversion calculator on Google. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And that water can come in many forms. Like you could have it as herbal teas, you know, you could have like, Uh, even like fizzy water there's different ways to spruce it up and not make it so boring if you're not into drinking water but again I find like a lot of people once they get used to drinking a lot of water Mm. your body craves it and you naturally know when you need some and in fact when you go without it you you feel water deprived (laughs) that's like me If if I don't
0: have my water I will get headaches like I know right it's a and it's a different kind of headache like it's not like a stress headache and I know right away it's I'm like oh I haven't drank enough water today
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So, just staying on tip one and two, I know a lot of people um, do not recommend, though, drinking water while you're eating because number one was about chewing your food, mm-hmm. number two is about water. What are your thoughts on that for gut health and digestion?
1: well i've heard I've heard a lot of different arguments on both sides that we should drink water when we're eating or we should not mm-hmm. generally, you want to consume the bulk of your water in between meals uh, but the best advice that I think really resonated with me in terms of drinking while you're eating because I personally like to drink water when i'm eating me too uh, uh, yeah it, it just feels natural is to go with how you feel mm-hmm. again just like get in tune with yourself. Um, if you do have digestive troubles, you might want to try not drinking water with your meals to see if that helps. But uh, like when I eat, I'm thirsty and, and I just go with how my body feels. Like if you, when you're eating, you don't have any desire to drink water, then don't. And, and just really test it out and play with it a bit and see. And, and that being said, when I'm drinking water, when I'm eating, I'm just taking small sips. I'm not like chugging back like half a cup of water or like a cup of water. It's just like small sips in between bites or pauses in the meal if I'm having a conversation. And so the bulk, again, the bulk of the water should be consumed with between meals ideally. Well, and that's
0: where I always, you know, it's nutrition and you and I have gone, we've gone to school together. We've known each other for a few years now. But the one thing I always find still so funny is everyone wants a black and white answer. You know, they want, like, it's a very clear cut. This is what you have to do. And in all reality, like you said, listening to your body and what works for you might be different for me. If I already have digestive issues, you know, maybe water during food is going to like, it's going to inhibit digestion more. But I think it's really boils down to starting to really listen to your body and how you're reacting to things.
1: Exactly. We're all so different and we all have different uh, body types. Some people are more naturally dry and need more water. Some people need less. And, uh, and you know, listening to your body actually leads into my third tip for digestion, <laughs> conveniently. Perfect which segue. Is, uh, <laughs> perfect segue, exactly, <laughs> uh, which is, to, uh, uh, is, is in uh, regards to food sensitivities and figuring out what you're sensitive to what works for your body and what doesn't. Because, you know, now it's, it's become really trendy to like just vilify entire food groups or take mm-hmm. out entire food groups because of the newest fad diet. Oh, like all, all, all uh, dairy is bad or all gluten is bad, right? Mm-hmm. Where in reality, it, it's not necessarily bad for you. It might be bad for some other people. And that's largely dependent on your microbiome right? Like whether you have the bacteria to digest those foods. So for me, I'm, I'm very lucky. I could digest almost anything, um, except I'm except rice. I'm allergic to rice of all things, like not allergic, but sensitive to it. Really? And yeah. And it's funny because, you know, typically when you're testing food, sensitivities, you go on an elimination diet, right? So you take out the top offenders for a food sensitivity. So things like gluten, dairy, eggs, soy, corn. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they tell you to eat is rice. So I would go on these eliminations diets, trying to figure out what I was allergic to, because I knew there was something. Yeah. And I I I couldn't figure it out. And it wasn't until I experimented doing the ketogenic diet where I took out all grains and, and I narrowed it down to a grain at least. And then I started reintroducing things like quinoa or whatever. And rice, it was like, bam, you know, and I didn't necessarily have horrible digestive problems, but what would happen, I got seasonal, I have seasonal allergies. I'm allergic to, you know, different things. My seasonal allergies would get so much worse after I ate rice. That is so, so fascinating. Yeah, so this is why I'm not a big fan of necessarily uh, doing the elimination diet and then reintroducing things. That it is one way to do it, but again, it's going back to listening to your body. So even keeping a food diary and seeing what happens. Like, okay, I'm going to take out gluten for two weeks and see what happens, or I'm going to take out dairy for three weeks and see what happens. Or, you know, I've noticed whenever I eat dairy, this happens. Like, let me try this again. And like, just really keeping track of things rather than eliminating entire food groups Yeah, and uh, really depriving yourself. Cause a lot of these diets where you just take things completely out, it becomes, it's getting easier now, but it becomes difficult to eat out, you know, and like food is supposed to be fun and joyful. So I really encourage people to just test foods one by one and see what works for them and what doesn't and to not make any assumptions about it. Well, and that's something um If anyone
0: is interested to learn more about what Corey was just saying about how, you know, we all digest our food differently and it's based on our microbiome, go back and listen to the podcast that we did together before because you dove into that quite a bit and it was just like blowing my mind. Gut health is something I'm very fascinated with, but like every time I talk Mm -hmm. to you, you teach me something new too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's such a world of study that just the things that keep on coming up with it, it's just amazing
1: yeah it's uh well because there's been so much more research into the microbiome it's still growing like there's still stuff they're still figuring out and really like uh the the research into the microbiome is still very very much in its infancy Mm -hmm. and so we're going to be discovering more and more and more but uh a lot of the tips i'm giving are just tried and true common sense things they're true for gut health but they've been around since like traditional ayurvedic medicine like chew your food (laughs) it's really basic like your grandmother said right and then test you know don't eat foods you're sensitive to or test them and see how you feel i think we've just gone so out of touch from our bodies that we're not able to pick up on these things well like it took me years to figure out it was rice causing my allergies and once i took out the rice i swear to god it was like night and day my allergies and asthma are completely gone like I haven't had to use an inhaler, I think, in a year and a half. Well, that's what I always which for find- me used to be like a
0: Wow. Well, that's what I find is so fascinating. And I mean, yeah. I know getting in this industry, I even think back to the way that I used to be when I was younger and how disconnected from my body I was and how I was constantly looking for someone else to tell me what was going on with my own body. And when I started to trust myself to be kind of my own scientist and start to try different things and test different things, it was amazing the difference that happened.
1: Yeah, and when you realize there's no magic bullet either. Yeah. It's it it not may not just diet. be one thing. there's no like Yeah, there's no like er, one magical herb that's gonna fix everything. Like people luckily I think people are moving away from that type of thinking, but I still, you know, it's definitely still there. Like people are definitely like, Oh, tell me what I need to do and we don't have a magic glass, what is it, like a glass-looking ball. ball? <laughs> Crystal ball, ball is what I'm trying to say. I know, it's the end of the week. Crystal ball that could just through. like look at, <laughs> yeah, where we could like look into the future know exactly what's wrong. But what we can do as nutritionists is coach you to figure that out for yourself, right? Coach our clients to do that and guide them and support them and give them ideas and things to look for and the tools to do that. Yeah. I wish I could just look at someone and be like, you need to do this. Or you need to do that. But, uh, it takes some detective work.
0: Well, completely. And that's where, I mean, it's really amazing too. It's so empowering when you do take that, like, put that effort into learning about your body. I mean, I'm a huge believer in the best ways to change anything in your life is education and support. So wherever you find yeah. that support from, whether it be like-minded people or a nutritionist or an educational program or whatever it is, but you've got to like, got to educate yourself. You've got to take ownership over your own health. And you also, you know, you need support too, to make sure that you can implement it in the right way. That's why I love these types of podcasts. Cause you know, it's like getting a free nutritional counseling session. Like someone's going to be Listening to this and be like, oh my gosh, I have you know, I haven't been able to poop in three days. Maybe if I just start to chew my food and drink more water, let me try that before I start diving into you know laxatives or senna or all these things that can be more irritating.
1: Yeah, exactly. We should always. I mean, my one of my core philosophies in my practice is you try the most uh, mildest, basic things mm-hmm. first, and then you move up in scale. You want the body be to be able to fix itself with with as little input inputs as as possible right like the body is an amazing healer on its own it's and it could correct itself very easily and sometimes it just needs a few things right cool. and like a lot of the herbs too like you mentioned the senna and the different laxatives. those those can actually cause a lot of harm if they're taken too long and like too much like it's not ideal to go there unless you really have to
0: and that's one thing this is just kind of a side note that i always find so so fascinating is all of these tea detoxes that are out there you know a lot of times people are like you know oh I'm losing weight and I lost 10 pounds in a week and the number one ingredient on most of them is Senna and for those who are listening that don't know what that is I mean you are a herbalist maybe you can give a little bit more background into Senna but it is very irritating to like once if you need a natural laxative once in a while I could see it going there, but it, you can become dependent very quickly. Then you never go to the bathroom because your bowels become lazy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What is uh,
0: that?
1: It's a leaf. I don't, I actually don't know much about Senna because I never go there. Because I know it's higher on the scale. And like a lot of times with my clients, this actually leads into tip number four. We keep doing this. Look at us. We're like reading each other's mom. (laughs) Which is to just, uh, tip number four is just to add a lot of herbs and spices into your food. Because your basic herbs and spices help with digestion so much. So for me, I've never, I, I never recommend senna. Because what I tell people to do first is start cooking with herbs and spices, like start cooking more with, uh, oregano, thyme, rosemary, like your basic culinary herbs, add them into, into things. Like, don't be afraid. Our, our, grandparents and our ancestors used to cook with a heck of a lot of spices and it's sort of like gone out of uh, out of flavor if you will or out of fashion like we just don't know people are cooking less first of all but we also don't know how to use herbs and spices effectively but um like Or we're very shy with them because we don't want to overpower our meals with certain things. But our our ancestors used to cook with a ton of them. So a lot of our culinary herbs are uh, antibacterial against the bad bacteria in our body that cause digestive issues right? And they don't harm the beneficial bacteria. So they're kind of a natural like bad bacteria killer. And even by just adding more those herbs and spices in your diet, like that can have a real effect on the microbiome. And not, not only that, I mean, a lot of them are also uh, help just help move the food through your body. They help with that migrating motor complex of the intestinal tract. So things like peppermints and ginger will actually get things moving better and flowing through the intestinal tract better. And then lastly... Um, a lot of, a lot of the herbs, especially seeds like cumin or fennel, those help with gas and bloating. They're what's called carminative herbs. So they just help like remove the gas and bloating in the body. And they're also antibacterial against the bad bacteria. So these really have, like can be very effective and you don't need them in in huge doses. You can make teas with them and things like that if you want to, if you're not getting them through your food perhaps, but but like to just find recipes that have a lot of herbs and spices can really benefit digestion. And so, um, if anyone's into Indian cooking in the slightest, I'm like, go there, you know, like cook a lot of Indian food. It's naturally filled with a lot of herbs and spices that help digestion.
0: That's so, so which ones are your favorites then for like, starting off with the ones you said, like the rosemary
1: and the, um, Sorry, what is, is it? Uh, well, my, my favorite's actually, ginger. Is one of my favorites oh. for digestion and just to add into foods. I find it really easy. You could add it into Indian cooking, into stir fries. You know, you could drink it as a tea, like boil it up. There's just a lot of different ways to consume it. So I find it a really, really accessible one. People like the flavor a lot. So that's one. And then, I mean, I also count garlic in there. Mmm,
0: I love um, garlic.
1: So, Yeah, garlic is antibacterial against the bad bacteria, highly antibacterial against the bad bacteria. It adds a lot of flavor. Again, it can be used for a diversity of things. It's also a prebiotic. So it contains certain starches that feed the good bacteria in your body. So that's another one I I, uh, encourage people to use to incorporate as much as possible. But yeah, like rosemary, thyme, oregano, all the Italian herbs are really great. Um, fennel uh, is used in a lot of Indian cooking. So same with cumin, like coriander, those are easy to integrate as well. And um, ideally you're getting a di- diversity as well. You're not just eating like a pile of oregano because they all have different slight nuances and they all do different things.
0: Yeah, I could just imagine someone yeah. listening to this, and then they're so, just like gnawing on a hunk of oregano, being like, "It'd <laughs> be so nasty." <laughs> and if you're not,
1: if you're not into putting them into foods, I mean, you can do things like, conveniently, I have some chamomile tea here. But just like <laughs> having a cup of chamomile tea, chamomile is also antibacterial against bad bacteria, and just having herbal teas. Um, if someone has real digestive. Uh, issues like the like IBS or something, then I might say, okay, drink peppermint tea three to four times a day, and and really mm-hmm. tell them to to focus on teas as well as culinary herbs. But if you're just trying to boost your digestion a bit, like culinary herbs are a good place to start. Beautiful. Okay, so you're number five. Number five, I wrote it down. Okay. Number five is, and this sort of goes back to my other point of testing the foods that you might be sensitive to and not removing foods willy nilly is to eat a variety of things. Right. So if you look, I think I said this in my last interview with you, but if you look at any natural system, it thrives on diversity. The more diverse inputs there are into like an ecosystem, Mm -hmm. the healthier and more diverse and more prolific it is. And the same goes with our body. So it's important to eat. Different foods from different food groups, and not to eliminate them just based on something you heard, because you could actually end up with a food sensitivity if you do that. So, mm-hmm. if you say uh, take out dairy, you heard dairy was bad, you eat it, you're like, ah, uh, I don't know, like I, I maybe I'm sensitive to it, but you're not sure. If you take it out for a few years, you lose the bacteria that feed off different starches in the dairy, the galacto oligosaccharides, and they, they may never come back. And so then you may end up with a dairy sensitivity, even, you, even though you weren't sensitive to it in the first place right? So because we have different bacteria profiles and they feed on different things, it's important to kind of keep them, keep, keep giving them food, keep them robust, keep them alive. And the more diversity we have in terms of eating different food groups, but also even just eating different types within a food group, like different types of grains, different types of vegetables, different types of fruit, that, that all feeds the different bacteria in our bodies. So Um, even like some people are picky eaters and don't like certain foods. So say they like potatoes, I'll encourage them to even eat like different types of potatoes because they have a slightly different fiber. makeup, Right. And so get diversity in whatever way you can. Um, one sort of fun thing to do is, um, is to just try three foods you wouldn't normally eat. Like when you're in the grocery store next, pick up three things that you wouldn't normally eat. Like the other day I picked up celeriac. Uh, you know, oh, like I've celery been root. I do not so know that long. I know. And I'm like, I never cook with this. Like, let me give this a go. And like lately I've been into yucca, um, which is an amazing prebiotic f- fiber. And so just kind of experimenting uh it's not not that you've never had these things, but just things you wouldn't ner- normally put in rotation. Just add them in, like or a different fruit, like a, a jackfruit or something. Like we're fortunate to have a lot of foods available to us, yeah. and I am a big proponent of eating locally um, as the base of your diet. But it's good to add these things in here and there, just to keep just to have like diverse uh, well diverse fibers coming in, but also diverse antioxidants and phytonutrients coming in through the foods as well. So when you and, would recommend you know, back
0: someone to rotate, um, like how often, so just say someone's doing their smoothie every day and they really like their spinach and blueberries and, you know, they do protein powder. Do you recommend that every, like alternating days, they maybe change the greens and they change the berries or like go, you know, week to week or does it really matter?
1: I think alternating days would be ideal.
0: Mm-hmm
1: um, you know, switching it up and you don't have to change everything. Like maybe you just swap the, the spinach for like romaine lettuce one day or like the berries for a different type of berries. Yeah. Um, you know, like, again, the more you, the more diversity you have, the better that being said, like, uh, if, if it's what you like and it's what you're going to consume and you won't consume anything else, then keep doing what you're doing because that sounds like a really good smoothie. Yeah. Um, and then maybe add diversity in elsewhere. Like, I do tend to eat the same smoothie every morning because it's just what I like. And, like, I just buy the same thing. And it's like the one steady thing. And then the rest of my diet's really diverse, though. So, yeah, we just add diversity where we can. And, uh, you know, one thing we've lost, too, um, that our ancestors used to do a lot more of is eat a diversity of greens. Mmm. Of different types of greens, and as an herbalist who forages wild foods, like I could tell you, we're eating like one smidgen, one minutia of the diversity we used to eat in terms of greens, and that's where we used to get a lot of our beneficial fibers that fed our good bacteria. So, um, you know, when you're in the grocery store, if you want to focus on diversifying your diet in one aspect, focus on greens. So there's so many, right? There's like spinach, there's arugula, there's different types of lettuces. Um, now you could buy dandelion at the grocery store more and more. like Which I
0: still just... can't get into. I st- it's still no? too bitter for me.
1: Like well, the- you gotta get it in the spring when it's young. Maybe I'll try, try it this spring. spring one? Pardon? Yeah. Maybe
0: I'll try it this spring.
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: Because I still can't, I just still cannot bring myself I every time I've cooked it I've tried it you know I tried this Italian recipe and it was like cooked dandelion greens with garlic and all this stuff and still I was like no but I like but I always say and even to my clients I always say you know if you're if you can't handle the bitterness of things like even I have a client who arugula is even too much for her but then I said you know always go to the baby version because it's always milder they're softer they're easier like a, a lighter flavor and there's so many, there's baby kale now, baby arugula, baby uh, romaine. And I find that that's a great kind of starting point too, to build up your palate.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great tip. And it's exactly what you say, like our palate isn't used to bitter foods, mm-hmm. which is also another one of my tips, but I won't really get into it. This is the bonus um, tip. And a bonus sometimes hit. it just... The bonus tip, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it just takes time to to build up that the bitter appreciation for bitter because that's something that's totally gone out of our diets now, and has so many benefits. So to build it up slowly is, um, and to do like you say, like try the baby versions is a good tip in itself. And you know with dandelion, I find the best dandelion is from my yard in the spring. It's super tender, it's not too bitter yet, and you just get the small little leaves yeah. and you uh, you add that in. Yeah. And, and the sometimes awesome. with dandelion <laughs> Yeah. With dandelion, I do one recipe, which is like um, a Palak paneer. So, except I use tofu instead of paneer. Paneer's the cheese. It's like an Indian recipe. And um, instead of the spinach, I use dandelion. And I find with those Indian spices, that really disguises the bitter flavor a lot.
0: Oh, delicious. And it
1: kind of goes with it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, Those were amazing tips. Um, I know you had mentioned at the beginning that you have a guide that people can go and download for your full 15. So where would they go to get that?
1: They just go to my website, www.radicalhealth.ca. There's a gut health quiz that you could take and you could see uh, where you are in your gut health. And then after you take the quiz, you get the 15 tips. And then if they just go to the main page, if people just go to the main page and scroll down, you'll see other tips tip sheets as well. Like I have my top 10 herbs for gut health. I have top 10 stressors for gut health. And those are just all like there to download and you could take a look at it.
0: Awesome. I will also make sure that those are linked to from our social media pages. So this will be on our blog at fitchexacademy.com. And we'll have links over to your website too. So they can uh, go and grab those because those are amazing free tools. Like these are the things that I think it's a lot of times we want to rehaul our whole health and we want to rehaul our whole life but even just by one small habit change one of the five that you said today can have huge results in long term so thank you yeah. so much for being on here again thank um, you for having me i could talk to you forever but as you know i have to go to recertify my cpr so i have to
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, if I'm trapped here for the next 10 days, maybe we could set something up because I'm snowed in. What a horrible place to be snowed in at. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could do like a weekly, where is Corey?
0: <laughs> and what is she doing while she's trapped in the forest? Um, but for anyone listening, so thank you so much, Corey. Make sure that you go and check her out at radicalhealth.ca. All the links to her, will, um, her Instagram and all that will also be on our website. And of course, if you're interested in any of our upcoming certification programs, uh, check us out at fitchicksacademy.com and we will see you guys next week thanks cory awesome bye. bye thanks for listening to the fit chicks chat podcast want more healthy love visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources free workouts recipes tips and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out